What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag, a.k.a. the main show. M-A-N-E. Yeah, <laughs> fine. I'll lead into it. I'll adopt it. Whatever. <laughs> Welcome to our midweek mailbag where we answer your questions live here on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer, beat writer, whatever you want to call me at Detroit Online on Twitter. Uh, with me, not tied up in my basement, contrary to, to certain rumors. Uh, <laughs> he is the man, the machine, the uh, edit. What is it? Editor, manager, managing editor. Something like that. General manager. Yeah, general, something like that. General manager. You can find That's him. what I was during training camp, right? That's right. You can find him at Eric Schlip. Eric with a K. Schlip with two T's on Twitter. Eric Schlip is here. Buddy, welcome back to the show. Hey, bud. Our show. Uh, before we get uh, too far uh, into this uh, mailbag and recap of the game, uh, I do want to take a moment recognize that Movember is a couple weeks away. That's right. Uh, it is a campaign that you uh, spearhead every year. And I don't think, I think you're very modest about taking credit and uh, you, you do an insane amount of effort uh, to get that going. And uh, I, I, I want to make sure that the people saw the social media tweet out there about uh, the Alzheimer's Association recognizing Pride of Detroit and your efforts and the, the people's efforts uh, to be the, the biggest uh, charitable contributor from last year, uh, over $25,000 raised. And while the Pride of Detroit team is very proud of that, I do want to make sure that we recognize uh, you because this is your baby. This is something you spearhead, and I want to make sure you get the credit that you deserve, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Uh, you did not have to butter me up like that uh, at the top of the show, but I, I do appreciate it. And, and I'm really looking forward to, to doing it again this year. Um, we're still finalizing details. Most of those will be out by next week uh, because we're only two weeks away from the start of November and given how stirred up the fan base is given um how much i know this this fan base i mean they we know how much they can be mobilized by uh looking at every single away game uh, i know we're gonna do some crazy amazing things this year and so uh be on the lookout for all that information on pridedetroit.com uh it'll be all over our socials it'll be all over our twitch page um so be on the lookout for that um uh, but thank you eric i appreciate you saying that um of course boy Let's let's jump into it from there. Uh, let's jump into a bunch of questions because you guys have a lot of questions uh, and and they're all kind of negative in 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 more like <laughs> concerned ways. Um, not not sure. like this team's bad. I think everyone's very excited about the team, but they're like now that I think expectations have raised people are like, all right, but what about this? Like, what's going to happen about this? I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm like, I get it. Uh, but let's start. Let's start there at the, at the top. We're breaking down some of the Tampa Bay uh, game here. Uh, Jason Hatch on Twitter asks, does the lack of pressure against Tampa Bay from the defensive line concern you? And does it increase the likelihood that the Lions look to add defensive line help at the deadline? 
You know, what we saw was a shift in how they approached the quarterback position, I believe, right? Um, the first couple of weeks of the season against mobile quarterbacks, you saw the Lions trying some different things to figure out what was working, uh, gave up 40-yard rushes or so against um, those mobile quarterbacks. You get into a little bit more stagnant quarterbacks the, the, the last few weeks, and you've seen a shift in how they're, the Lions' defensive front attacks. Right Now with uh, Baker Mayfield, he's mobile but he's he's not like a runner but that mobility is yep. a huge part of what made him successful and we talked about this in the lead up right so his mobility and and their the Tampa Bay's ability to uh you know skew the playbook so that it favors his mobility right uh allows them to be successful and so what the lions did was they went back to some of their uh, approaches we saw earlier in the season with a little bit of a twist on it and the idea was not as much to can, uh, create pressure the way we'd seen the last like three, three, four weeks, but to create pressure by uh, stopping the outside contain or getting contained and then squeezing. Right. That's it's yep. it. It was basically the approach to how they want to handle mobile quarterbacks. And with Baker, it it, it worked. It kept him in the pocket, got pressure up the middle. And that was the design. It, it wasn't really to just tee off on him like like we had just gotten used to. Um, and this is probably a preview of what we're going to see against Baltimore, to be yeah. honest. And so right. uh, the big shift for for those who maybe haven't read all the articles of Pride of Detroit that we've kind of where we've touched on this a little bit. Essentially, what they did was they shifted Aiden over to that weak side and then uh, added Kaminsky on to the to the strong side and then a, a third linebacker in Jack Campbell at the Sam. So we got more rushes out of Jack Campbell, more dropping into coverage, a lot more Jack Campbell time than we've seen in previous years. A lot more 4-3 looks, which is, again, I think purposefully designed because of Baker's mobility and Tampa's uh, conceptualization of that. So this front wasn't as attacking as it was just pressuring and squeezing. And so I think that's why the numbers are low. I don't think it's necessarily a uh, indicator that they are in need of help because when you look at like how these guys are still performing, Aleem is still performing near the top. Aiden's still a good, uh, a good pressure guy. You know, maybe you could, I wrote in my stock up that maybe he took a tiny step back. And, um, but I think that's just because instead of getting eight pressures, you only got a couple. Right. And, and so I don't think it's a bad thing. I think he can go back up again if they change the scheme, but I, I think it's more about the, the, them adjusting their defense to fit the opponent than it is necessary necessarily a a weakness. Yeah, I think I think that is definitely a big section of it, a big portion of it. And and you're right. Like I don't remember Baker Mayfield getting out of the pocket much at all, if at all, uh on Sunday. And that's very much by design because that that is what the Buccaneers are all about. They're all about bootlegs. They're all about getting him on the move and 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 creating extra time so that he can take deep shots downfield. And yeah, he got some sh- shots downfield, and we all know how most of those ended up. Um, but I th- I think I think it still should be a moderate concern. I I still think a lot of the the Lions defensive line are not winning their one on ones, including Aiden Hutchinson in this past game. Like you've seen, I've seen some cut ups of of Luke Gadecki and and his matchup against Aiden, and and and, and Gadecki essentially won. I would say on Sunday. And I don't think there's needs to be a long-term concern about Aiden. Aiden's going to be fine. He's going to, he's going to get his pressures. I think he only had one by PFF's rank, which is obviously very much an, an outlier at this point uh, in his career and, and no concern there. But I think there is, con- there is reason to be at least modestly concerned about the other side. Um, the Lions did a lot of rotation from that edge position this, this year or this, this past week. And you mentioned Josh 
or, or I'm sorry, Josh, Josh Pascal is on my mind. I'm going to bring him up in a minute here, but um, <laughs> you, you mentioned Kaminsky got a lot of time. They really scaled back Romeo's time. They really scaled back um, Charles Harris's Charles time. Harris. We, we, we got a little bit more Julian O'Quara than, than we've, we've seen so far. And, and he, he actually did okay. Um, which is, which is certainly notable out of that same position. Maybe they, they drop Jack back to kind of more the, the, the will, or, um, the, the Mike position a little bit, because if we're being honest, I don't think Jack Campbell has done very well as a pass rusher. Um, he's still learning it. Um, and I think he's got all the physical capabilities to do it, but he just, he's not that great at it yet. Um, and so, you know, I'm all for, especially with these mobile quarterbacks, the contain thing, it, it might not be pretty. It might be frustrating sometimes when, um, you know, if, if we see Lamar stand back there for three, four seconds being untouched, that might be frustrating, but the Lions are willing to take that and trust their back end um, to hold up rather than allowing Lamar Jackson to get out of the pocket. And, and instead of, you know, having three, four seconds, we're talking about five, six seconds. And that can be all the difference in, in your defensive back end holding up. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I think they'll, they'll look bad on things like, you know, pass rush win rate because of this strategy. But um, I think there's a, there, there should be a mix of like, yes, you should expect a little bit more one-on-one wins, but like Benito Jones, I think had five or six pressures. That's that's a new positive development. Ali McNeil is playing his butt off. That's a new positive yeah. development. Like they are starting to get that push up the middle. And, and when you can do that and remain contained on the edge, that's that's exactly right. what they want to do. Yeah, I think Tampa really focused on the outside guys and tried to one on one the insides. And that was a problem for them because they didn't have the, the horses to do that. Um, yeah. It's going to be interesting because like this team. We, we've always talked about the fact that like they want to be adaptable to the opponent. And yep. and I think that's really what this was, is I think this was them adapting to 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 uh, Tampa Bay. What's great is that you see that adaptability on offense as well. Right. right. You, your game plan is to come in and just run the ball and then your main guy gets hurt. And so now you just shift the ball and you and you lean into that like. That's what really makes this team so talented this year is is that there's not one way to beat somebody. They have multiple ways that they can beat somebody. And if they have to adjust, they do. And that's, that's why I think they're the, they're really confident with the group that they have depth up and down the, uh, the, the, the roster. I think they're comfortable and they know what each guy does. Do they have the perfect guy at Sam? guy that can blitz and cover no but they have they have one guy who's really good at blitzing in in romeo one guy who's good at dropping back and covering in in campbell and so like they're trying to like make that position work um but it's going to be interesting to see like how that plays out if one guy gets better at the thing that they're lacking at as as the season goes on right and then and then yeah josh pascal I, w- I would expect him to come back this week, um, given that they, they started his clock late last week. Now he's got a, a full week of practice ahead of him to to get ready. Yeah. I would imagine he's going to be part of the rotation, maybe not a, a tremendous part of the rotation right away because we know how the lines like to ease their guys in. But um, remember, he had a really nice debut in week one, all the way back in week one. Uh, he's a guy that I think can can bring in some internal rush. He's a guy that is also a, a, a good run defender if they put him on the edge. So he's a guy that that they're going to value quite a bit and take a little load off of John Kaminsky, um, bring a little youth to that position. I, I think, I think I, I don't think the lines are going to make a big pass rusher move 
at the trade deadline. Everyone wants to talk trade deadline, and we're not going to take too many questions about that this week. We took some last week. We'll probably take more next week as we get closer to that deadline. Um, but I'm I'm not exactly expecting a splash necessarily and not necessarily that position, though I, though I do think the lines would be wise to start thinking about that position long term and, and what they want to do opposite Aiden Hutchinson long term. So. Uh, let's move on. Uh, the next question was actually yeah. going to be all about edge. Go ahead. You got you got dangerously close to to talking draft. Uh, no, and, and no, 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 absolutely not. <laughs> Thinking long term is, is not necessarily a draft. Oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, next question here comes from Carlos Goodman on Twitter. It says before Tampa, it seemed Kirby wasn't making big plays this year and was off on a few tackles at Tampa. He missed Evans breaking downfield was late defending an early completion and got beat deep on a uh, Mayfield overthrow. Uh, are you concerned about a second year slump? No, not after one game. Cause he's, he's uh, like, that was, it was a tough matchup. Um, I don't think yeah. he's been bad. He's coming back. He was coming off an injury. Yep. Uh, still only a couple of weeks we moved from that. And um, he's got a lot more responsibilities. Expectations are higher. Uh, he had a bad game. Like that's going to happen. It, it's like, you got to remember, they're also missing Brian Branch, which was huge. He's been a, yeah. such a huge factor for this team. So look, their chance to get Pascal, Branch, and Gibbs back this week are three major players and what they want to be able to do against the Ravens in my, um, so, but with branch not being there, you're seeing the secondary guys maybe overcompensate a little bit, especially the safeties trying to, to make up for the slot because Will Harris had a hard game as well. Yep. Right. So I'm not as worried about Kirby. Um, that will come. Like, I, like he's going to feel a little bit better. He's, he's going to have bad games every here, every once in a while. That's, that's okay. He's, he's still in his second year. He's still kind of young at the position, which we tend to forget because he's, he's, he, he ascended so quickly, Yeah. but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not worried about, about Kirby at this stage. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people watch that game and, and come away with at least a, a modest amount of concern for the secondary with the way they play. They did. And, and, I think rightfully so, right? There were a lot of mistakes made in the secondary. They got bailed out by some overthrows that probably would have changed the game if they were accurate. But at the same time, it's one game. It's not It's not necessarily yeah. a, a trend. Uh, and I think you also have to come away from that game probably pretty enthusiastically impressed with your outside corners, right? I think that was maybe the bigger yeah. concern going into that game. And I think Jerry Jacobs and Cameron Sutton absolutely passed the test of, of two really, really yeah. good outside receivers and, and getting branch back this week, which is kind of the expectation right now is going to help everybody. And, and like, I, I think, I think it's always important to point out with, with Kirby, everything you just said, not only is he super young, but he hasn't played a ton this this year because of the injuries he's been dealing with. He hasn't been playing consistently with the same pieces around him in the secondary. That that sort of chemistry is important. And when he's also this instinctive guy who's trying to jump routes, who's got really good ball skills, sometimes he's going to guess wrong. Sometimes he's going to get a little too aggressive. And, and you hope that doesn't result in a 40-yard bomb or an 80-yard bomb like it probably could have uh, on the tip pass. <laughs> um, but sometimes that's yeah. going to happen. And And... The, yeah. the key is to just making sure if it does happen, it doesn't happen again. And so it it technically didn't happen in this game. Like he, he didn't he didn't get beat for a long <laughs> touchdown. It could have happened, but it didn't. And sometimes they will. You 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 know you turn the page. You, you be a goldfish and you move on. And so there, unless this becomes a consistent thing where Kirby is consistently trying to jump routes and gets beaten by double moves. And listen, teams are going to test him now, right? 
that sure. that's that, that's now on film. People are going to see you see that if if pump fakes work, if if whatever flea flickers, whatever they want to do, um, they're going to test the line safeties a little bit more. And and listen, Kirby knows it now. Um, Kirby's going to watch his own tape and see, crap, I shouldn't have done that. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, he's okay because it you know if 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 you didn't see, there's video of him walking off the field in Tampa, kind of being escorted by two trainers. Um, didn't look. I don't know. I don't want to speculate on on what was going up there, but he could just have been it, tired. He he looked gassed. gassed. I mean, like the, the, to me, um, like by the end of the game. I mean, keep in mind they were basically running like forty yard sprints Verts. at the yeah. end of the game, yeah. Yeah, yep. which was forty yard, forty yard, forty mm-hmm. like every time, and and he was having to bail with them. Yeah, and it's hard for a defensive back like with the receiver. You know where you're going, right? Yeah. So like you just run your route. <laughs> Uh, with the defensive backs, they have to be on their toes, aware and ready. And it's right. harder. It's more physically taxing. And so I do think, yeah, he, he looked gassed by the yeah. end of that, by the end of that game. Um, the other thing that I was, I wanted to the jump back to was the fact that, you know, everyone's talking about like, oh, they had Mike Evans, Baker had Mike Evans. If the ball wasn't tipped, that would have been a touch Based on Baker's throwing, who knows if he would have overthrew him? You know what I mean? Like, who knows? We can't – like, everybody wants to give them a touchdown for that. There was no touchdown. Again, this was purposeful. The idea was if you keep Baker in the pocket, his accuracy dips. And so that was by design. So, again – you're not. We're not going to rewrite history. We can go back and and rub our our worrisome hands all we want uh, as Lions fans, as you know, as as Lions fans do. And oh, we could have got. The bottom line is this team finds a ways to win, and they've continued. They've found a lot of ways to win, and they're set up. Yeah. Hopefully, they learn from the things that that the, the errors that they've made. We've seen progress with that, and so uh, I think the arrow is. You know, I, I think some of the anxiety is just maybe self-induced sure yeah yeah i I just think you you, you always want to clean up big mistakes like that that could have been bigger mistakes that's all um no i i agree yeah all right Uh, a lot of questions about what the lines are going to do without david montgomery so the next section here is going to be all about that uh breer gallahue um on twitter first asked what do we expect uh the lions to compensate uh, being without Monty for at least the uh, at least until the bye week, which seems like a, a good estimate of at least how long the lines will be without. Um, we saw today uh, Mo Ibrahim is back mm-hmm. um, yep. and the practice squad. Um, what what do you expect? Do you, do you expect the lines to, I guess, make wholesale changes to what they plan to do offensively? Is that going to change week to week depending on their opponent? Are they going to have to go away from this big, you know, physical running run first offense and maybe lean a little bit more on the pass like they did at the end of the Bucks game. I don't know. Let's first talk schematically. Do you think the lines are going to change fundamentally? I guess who they are without David Montgomery in the lineup. Not much. Like I think they're still, are they going to pass more? Maybe because that's what the skill, the the skill players around them maybe lean towards. So maybe you're going to see more passing, but like fundamentally, they're still going to go into the, the, the game the same way that they did when Montgomery was injured uh, earlier in the year as well. Right. And we saw Gibbs run for 80 and catch whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. So I do think they're going to constantly adjust to opponent and I, and they will adjust to their, the, the players that are on the field. But I don't think they're going to like 
move away from their their overall arc, overarching philosophy on how they want to operate the offense. At the same time, part of that philosophy is is being adaptable, right? Right? Like they adapt to the opponent, they adapt to their personnel, and and Ben Johnson is smart enough to figure out like how to best use the guys that are that are ahead of him. But I mean, Dan Campbell said it on Monday. He said this next man up approach is basically just if you're active, you have a job that we have something we expect for you. So they're going to look at the players that they, that are available to them. They're going to assign their jobs. They're going to execute and and they're going to make a game plan to make it work with them. I don't think it's going to move too far away from their, their overall philosophy. um, Because which I would, which again, I think is, adapt and, and, you know, design what we have on a week to week basis. So I, I kind of answered, I kind of said yes and no to that question. <laughs> right. um, you know what I mean? Because like, no, they're not going to move away from their philosophy because the philosophy is adapting, which is basically saying no. So I, uh, it's, I don't think we're, I, you're not going to see him run the ball 32 times if right. that's what you're asking. Right. right. Like no. that's not going to happen. You're not going to, you're not going to force it. Like the bucks force the run. Yeah. Right. We saw it. We've yeah. seen it. Like they they force the run, even when they're bad at it. Yep. You're not going to see the Lions do that. You're going to no. see the Lions will adapt. I I think really the to me the most interesting part about life without David Montgomery is going to be what they do when they get into the red zone because they've been such a good team at running goal line. Right. At, at, at you know we saw all the touchdowns that Jamal Williams got last year. David Montgomery was on a pace to beat that this year. What do they do now when they get down to the red zone? They've been such a good red zone team. I don't think I'm trying to think. I don't know if they had a single red zone. They had one red zone opportunity, I think, against the Bucks, and it was right after the turnover. Didn't go so hot. What do they do now? Do it is is one of their power backs capable of, of still running between the tackles? Is Jameer Gibbs capable of being that mm-hmm. guy? Um, or do they they throw the ball more in these op- these opportunities? It, 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 that's going to be kind of a, a huge storyline here. And I think it leads nicely into our next question, which is from George Cox. He says, who's more likely to get elevated for the game next week? Is it Divino Zigbo or is it now Mo Ibrahim? I would think it would be a Zigbo because he's been with the team longer. Sure. Um, uh, and so it's easier to incorporate him. I don't know where uh, Ibrahim is at, right? Yeah. Like, um you don't know if he's physically ready. You don't know. Like a big part of that running back three's responsibilities is going to be special teams. And yep. so where is he at with that? I, so I think it's a Zigbo. If even if you're talking from a purely which guy fits with their a skill that they're lacking, again, I think it's a Zigbo is that can be that power yep. option for them if they need it. The thing is, is their offensive line opens holes like so well down the goal line. I think all three of those backs can, can work in that situation. And so uh, I'm not overly worried. I, uh, about like trying to find that missing Montgomery power element at the same time, they'd like to have that option uh, with, I think, and I think as brings that as well as the special teams prowess. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I just, something about the ability that the Monty brings in break, breaking tackles, you know, when you're talking about those goal line situations, you can block well, but a lot of times the defense knows it's coming and and, and there's going to be a free guy that that you have to make the first guy miss. And we don't really know the capabilities of someone like Ozigbo or really Ibrahim at doing it at the NFL level yet. So I think something to keep an eye on, something to be at least mildly interested slash worried about, but um, 
but you also bring up a good point. Like this is a, this is a really good offensive line. Um, they're they're going to have opportunities to score and, and and hopefully one of those two, or like I said, Gibbs, I, I, I think we've seen what little we've seen out of Jameer Gibbs. He's not afraid to lower the shoulder. He's not afraid to be physical and he might not be, you know, a 220, 225 pound back, um, but he's, he's certainly capable of making guys miss um, whether it's at the goal line or anywhere else on the field. All right. We're going to take a break here. When we come back more of your Detroit Lions questions as we get ready for the Baltimore Ravens while we sit here in first place, not just in the NFC North, not just in the NFC, the entire freaking NFL. We'll be right back. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag, answering your questions live here every quote unquote, every uh, Tuesday <laughs> afternoon live on twitch.tv slash pride Detroit, usually around noon uh, Eastern time. If you want to join us live where we answer a whole bunch of questions in between segments as well, but let's get back into questions via Twitter. This one comes from Anthony at between the numbers asks, with the loss of Monty for a little while and a, a varied and efficient passing game will be required, how important is it more than ever to, one, that the Lions have a truly dedicated pass game coordinator, and two, he's being prepped as their heir apparent, talking about Tanner Angstrand? Mm. Um, I don't know if it makes it more important uh, necessarily, but I do think the role is important. Like, sure. they're everything is layered, right? They have backup plans to backup plans and, 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 and having a potential heir apparent uh, and Tanner is, is definitely purposeful, right? Um, they have the same, like everything, it's all contingency plans, right? right. All over. Um, I don't know if Montgomery's absence necessarily alters that, but I, I do think the role itself is something that is significant and purposeful. Yeah, no question. Um, it is. It, I mean, we talked a little bit in the first segment here about what they're going to do differently, if they're going to have to kind of change who they are and things like that. And I think in general, I'm with you. Like the, the answer is going to be no. They're, they're still going to be at the heart who they are. They still believe, I think, that the offensive line is the key to this team's success and therefore is they're they're going to continue to try to run the ball, no question. But but it does kind of leave you wondering with the way they ended that football game in, in Tampa, are they going to rely on uh, more kind of quick passing games and 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 are they going to need more of that those screens that actually worked tremendously well against Tampa and, and something that we really hadn't seen a ton of success in, in in the screen game. It's something we knew they were capable of and wanted to do, but the hit rate is, has had been kind of hit or miss really since yeah. Ben Johnson took over, they were, they were phenomenal at it in Tampa. 
can they do more of that those stuff? Can they design and, and disguise plays like that and, and and fool teams into you know I I love when they do like the double screen where they they fake to one side and and throw it to another side. Are we going to see some of that sort of stuff? I, I think there's a chance that you see an increase in those sort of things. And now it's hard to parse through who's responsible for some of those stuff. Like, yeah, you have a pass game corner. He's going to be involved in that process, but who's, who's going to be at the heart of it. It's still going to be Ben Johnson. It's, it's a, it's a committee and you never know for sure who's going to be the one that, you know, brings the play idea to the forefront. It, it, it comes from multiple yeah. sources, right? Like, all the talk was about the the between the leg snap. That wasn't something that Ben Johnson found. That was something that I can't remember who he specifically credited to, but mm-hmm. someone inside the coaching staff, a lot of people that are scouring through tape, scouring through your opponent's tape, things like that, 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 that bring it to the table. And so to say like now everything's not, and, and not that Anthony is saying this, but now that there's, now there's more extra pressure on Tanner Ingstrom. I'm not sure that's necessarily true, but he's certainly going to be involved in in what the Lions are going to do and 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 what they need to adjust to. Side note: Did you see? And maybe this was just my eyes playing tricks on me because I haven't watched the replay. Did because it looked like at one point one of the tight ends for the Bucks went in motion, lined up under center, and then they snapped it between his legs to go to Baker. I thought I saw that happen. Uh, maybe he was just in that. motion, but I thought like he positioned himself and maybe I'm losing my mind. And I was just like, I've got, I had that on my brain, uh, but I didn't go back and look and I meant it. And you, you mentioning that snap yeah. between the legs, maybe think about it. It went, I think through the, the skill player to Baker and then Baker tried to make a quick throw out of it. Uh, I have to go check, go back and check that. Maybe yeah, I, I, uh, I thought that I thought I saw that. Maybe I, I I do know there was at one point where a snap looked like it was, it was, it was with a guy in motion. I'm like, that came dangerously yeah. close to hitting that guy. And maybe, well, maybe, maybe that, that was it. Maybe that's, yeah, that maybe, would have been incredible timing if, if they were able to do that. <laughs> um, but while, while side, we're talking, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say one more side note, Anthony, who uh, asked a question. Yeah. He was the one that uh, helped us with uh, the grit index during oh, yeah. the, uh, during, during the draft season. So yeah, shout sure. out to Anthony for that. Shout out. At between the numbers, if you guys want to follow them, it's not spelled quite like that, but you can find it. You search mm-hmm. use Twitter search, which is just a great search engine, by the way. Um, <laughs> next question. While we're on the, the uh, assistant coaches topic here, uh, Katie from Michigan, our good friend here on Twitch and on Twitter asks, do you think Ben Johnson leaves her head coach position after the season? Will that decision hinge on whether the Lions get to slash win the Super Bowl and or which teams ask to interview him? Oh, I think he's getting interviewed no matter what. Right. I think his demand is going to be significant regardless of if they get to the Super Bowl. Um, what's what'll be interesting is the longer they hang out in the playoffs, the more like restrictions Difficult. and stuff there are. And so sometimes when that happens, you get coordinators that stick around because teams are making hirings at the same time. You saw both of Philadelphia's coordinators get hired away this past offseason, and so teams are willing to wait. At the same time, I do think Ben Johnson is going to be willing to wait for the right situation as well, right? Similar to what um, uh, Nick Casero did with Philly. Like, he waited for the right team. And so I don't necessarily think Ben is gone. At the same time, I think there's going to be a lineup of suitors trying to entice him away. 
Yeah, to me, the only question, the the only way I should say that Ben Johnson is not gone in 2024 is if he doesn't like the opportunities. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be like, eh, we didn't win a Super Bowl here. I'm not going to go. I don't think he's going to be, you know, like, oh, I just I like the Lions so much. It's, you know, even if the Lions try to throw some sort of raise and, and throw whatever titles they want at him. <laughs> It's just a matter of how picky Ben Johnson is going to be in terms of opportunities. Obviously, there's there's a certain amount of pickiness he has. He he very well could have been Carolina's head coach. It seems like that job wasn't necessarily offered to him, but we all saw how close it, it felt at the time. And mm-hmm. so we know Ben Johnson, and, and it's not like Carolina's a mess, right? Like I know they're they're the only winless team right now. Um, but it I don't think there's like an organizational problem necessary. It's not like you have like an overly meddling owner. It's not like you have, um, you know, an, an institution of losing in Carolina. That would, that was by, by some people's measures, a, a very favorable job. And so I, I would say there, there's a non-zero chance that Ben Johnson looks at the teams looking for head coaches next year and says, no, thanks. But I think that's yeah. the only thing that's going to stop him. Two things. One, I said Nick Casero, who was the GM in, in with the Texans. I met Nick Sirianni. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know I why you. I got that. Because Casero did the same thing. He kind of waited for his opportunity. But anyway, I got him mixed up. Um, but I do find it very – the reason that I have this line of thinking is because Ben Johnson is from Carolina. Right, he played right. his football at yeah. North Carolina. Like yep. that Carolina job was like silver plattered for him. It, it And for him to turn that down – makes me think like he's going to be very selective and in, in, in where he goes. Yeah. If he goes, if he goes, there you go. Thank um, you. Next question here comes from Kelly uh, on Twitter. Uh, asks, what adjustments in the secondary personnel or scheme wise, do you think we'll see with the passing weapons? The Ravens ha- have, how do you think the lines will adjust to Lamar's mobility? Um, so let's start with the secondary. Um, I think the expectation right now is, is that Brian Branch is, in, is back in the lineup. Again, that that that's still very much in the air, but just based on Dan mm-hmm. Campbell's comments, it certainly seems like he's headed in the right direction. Um, as I mentioned before, there there is maybe a little bit of concern with with Kirby Joseph. We'll we'll wait and see when the injury report comes there. So I don't know. Do do you think the Lions make any significant schematic adjustments to a, a, a Ravens team that also kind of boasts a, a pretty decent set of receivers? No, I, I said this in the first half, right? I think that what we saw last week was going to be a similar approach to what we're going to see this week because yeah. of you have another mobile quarterback. Hopefully you are going to get branch back because the, arguably their best receiver is uh, Zay Flowers, their first right. round draft pick. And and Zay has, is a guy that, that Lamar trusts and, um, Getting Branch back, I think, is the most ideal situation in order to to counter Zay, because I'm not sure they have a really good matchup outside of Branch, right? right. And so, you know, with Aguilar, I, I think the Lions outside guys can match up with him. With Odell, I mean, this is not Odell of of yeah. yesteryear, right? right? Like, and so I think again, I think. The, guy, the Lions can match up. And so I think they'll take the same approach that they, that he did with Tampa's really good outside receivers. Right. Yep. And and I thought the Lions outside guys played really well last week. And I, and so I think they're going to take that, sim, that similar approach. Uh, the big question will be, will the line contain like they did against the Bucks, 
And will you get branch back? Because that could be the catalyst in helping, uh, you know, disarm this, uh, this uh, aggressive uh, Baltimore Ravens offense. Yeah. And I mean, Mark Andrews, right? That's that's another yeah. kind of weapon that, that you need to be concerned about. He he leads and not leads the team in receptions, but he's second in receptions, second in receiving yards, first in touchdowns, three touchdowns so far this year. Um, Lions linebackers have been good in coverage. Um, both Anzalone and Jack Campbell are, are good at that. But mm-hmm. but like you said, like are is, is Jack Campbell going to be more of an edge guy in this game where he had I think he had 10 of his 30 some snaps. So a third of the time he was essentially on the edge being a, a either a pass rusher or an edge setter. Um, do you use that? Do you do you do you trust Derek Barnes to cover a guy like America Andrews? Well, we'll see. Um, but I think I think you're yeah. right. Like I don't think I don't think I expect any large schematic changes this week because of the similarity of, of mobile quarterbacks because of the similarity of good outside receivers. And because I think the lines are just comfortable with where they're at in, in terms of what they're doing defensively. Why, why change something that is very clearly working very well, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think like, branch to me is like the key to improving upon maybe some of the things that they struggle with against Tampa. Yeah. The interesting thing now is I look this Ravens team, I think is, is, a very good team. They're deep. Yeah. They have a lot of talented players, yeah. um, but they've hit some hiccups the last two weeks. And, um, you know, I, I don't have like a, a game plan uh, in mind. Um, you know, like this is, they need to do this X to make Z happen type of thing. <clears throat> yeah. um, we'll have, we'll have those at the end of the week, but you know, once we do a little bit more research, but at, at this point, like, I think they blueprinted exactly what they wanted to do against the Bucs. And I could see them taking a very similar approach. Uh, maybe they're not six points successful, you know what I mean? Holding them to six points. But at yeah. the same time, if you can keep their offense, you know, sedated, then and your offense can can make some noise like this, it's it's a winnable game. And this might be the toughest game left on their schedule. <laughs> It's worth noting that the Ravens aren't like racking up a ton of points against teams. They've, they haven't, they haven't scored 30 yet this season. Uh, you're looking 25 points, 27 points, 19 points, 28 points, 10 points, 24 points. You know, they're not, they're not this crazy explosive offense and, and they really mm-hmm. struggle to play with leads too, right? The Tennessee yeah. hung around in that game. Pittsburgh came with, back and, and beat them with Malik. At their quarterback, right. almost almost lost that. You know they were close to getting that game tied yeah. uh, with with the backup quarterback in. Like the they got talent all over the board. They've got depth. They've got experienced coaching. But I don't know. I don't know. I I I haven't quite put my finger on why it's not working for them. And they are traveling back from Europe right. this week. By choice, like norm- they could yes. have taken they could have taken a week off. They could have had their bye week. But John right. Harbaugh was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, no, don't worry. We'll just we'll take on. Well, who's a, you know, oh, oops, don't put Detroit in that slot, though. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, all right. Last question here uh, came from uh, I, for, I think it was Lions King uh, live on Twitch asked which Lions player is outperforming your expectations this year. Oh, um, that's a good one. If you have one in mind, yeah. go, uh, because I'm going to think on this for a second. I mean, I think, I think the number one answer to me is Derek Barnes. You know, no, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to split it. And I think they're both related here. 
It's Derek okay. Barnes and it's Benito Jones. Mm. Because the Lions run defense is outstanding so far. Absolutely outstanding. And that's not a complete surprise because I, I kept telling everyone in this offseason, like they started to get good towards the end of last year. I know Justin Fields ran all over them. I know we all remember the Carolina game last year. Outside of that, the Lions were very, very good against traditional running games up the middle last year. And and Dan Campbell says it almost every single week, like, you, you guys got to give these guys more love. You got to give Mac more love. You got to give Benita more love. You got to give yeah, all those interior big uglies more love. And the fact that, and we, we mentioned it yesterday on the podcast, like, I know a lot of people are bummed that Isaiah Bugs isn't getting more playing time, but I think that says a lot more about Benito Jones than it does about Isaiah Bugs. I think Benito is playing very, very well in doing what he's doing, and it's not an easy role. You're, you're eating double teams all day so that a guy like Derek Barnes can run downfield, can can play without fear, use his instincts, and be an absolute disruptor in the run game. And so... Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot Benito Jones, but obviously you got to give a ton of credit to to Derek Barnes too, who who something clicked this offseason and the lines warned us about it. And and I think some fans were right to be skeptical about that, but it seems absolutely true. That guy is playing his butt off. He's been such a force in the in the run game in particular that I think I think that has been a fuel to why the lines have been so successful on defense, especially like you go back to that Tampa game. Like part of the reason the Bucks needed to connect on those deep shots. It's because they were constantly in third and sevens, constantly in third hmm. and eights, because the run game just absolutely shut them down again. And so those two are kind of my biggest answers. I, I, I think you see this across the Lions roster right now is that a lot of guys that were that we thought were kind of plateaued in their in their developmental careers are arcing up. And that's not something that you necessarily were was were expecting to happen. I have three guys okay. that are all kind of in that situation. Had to one up me. Well, I originally I was just going to try and go with one, but I'm like, this is so. Yeah. My guys are more just like they all these they're, they're three veterans that all look like they we knew we knew who they were. Yeah, and they all have taken their game up a notch. Uh, Alex Anzalone. Yeah. Josh Reynolds. And Graham Glasgow, those three have we like they've been in the league a yeah. long time. Each of them, and and we and they've all elevated their games later on in their careers, and that is a huge difference in making, uh, you know, making them making noise. Like the two guys you talked about are young guys that we thought could have been okay, but that have really excelled yeah whereas like but it's the veterans as well like these three veterans are all raising their games up a little bit so that combination of youth you know developmental youth coming to fruition as well as veterans raising their games like that's why the lions are so successful right now is because it's not just like a guy or two that's stepping up it's like almost across the board we're seeing incremental developments uh in their games and and that is what's and that's paying off with the team overall yeah and i think with glasgow and and anzalone in particular it it must it it's such a satisfying arc to their stories because anzalone was a guy that people people were scratching their head when they re-signed him right Two yeah, times, three years, it, twice. Yeah, he resigned like, twice, <laughs> and then when he got the deal, he did. I think even people are like he's better than most people think they are. 
when you saw those numbers, you're like, really? Anzalone? And mm-hmm. he's proven the Lions right. He's proving Brad Holmes right. He's proving everyone who was involved in making that deal, getting that deal done right. And I mean, Dan Campbell even went as far as saying, show me a linebacker who's playing better right now. And aside from cut- he, he may not have been the best linebacker on the field on Sunday because Levante David was playing out of his freaking mind as well, but yeah, he wasn't far behind. Yeah, I tell you what, there are two linebackers in last week's game and two linebackers in this week's game that are really good off the ball guys. And but Alex's level that he's playing at right now is is really sensational. Yeah. Like he's he's not just really good in one area; he's really good in a bunch of areas yes. right now. And, yeah. and that's that's been it's been a huge huge factor like getting him back to will i'm telling you man like mm-hmm. that's where i i thought i putting him at mike for those couple of years i don't think was ideal i think they did it because they needed to right now that he's Someone back to will and, there right and so Derek barnes's elevation getting jack campbell you put him shift anzalone back to will and now all of a sudden he's thriving and it's like okay there's uh there's something to work with here and you're finding a lot of success off the ball which is an area that this team has struggled at for a long time. And now they look like they not only have starters, but they have backups as well. Yeah. And then to, to bring it back to Glasgow too, talk about a guy oh, yeah. who, who needed probably for himself to prove that he can still do it after, you know, he had the, 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 the gruesome broken ankle a couple of years ago, had a, a tough year in, in Denver the year after that comes back to Detroit just because he wants to play with his buds. And, yeah. and and now he's he's thriving. You know, I don't know where he is in PFF, but as of last week, it was the second best guard in the league and and had to fight through some adversity here. Right. He, he even, sure. you know, vented some of his frustrations with training camp. He's a guy that was fighting for a, a, a starting spot at right guard. But half the time in training camp, he had to play center because Frank wasn't playing there. And so for him to go out there and prove it and earn it. And now you have to wonder, like. Is once once Vitae is ready. What do they do? Because Dan said it last, like some Dan said it yesterday. Sometimes when you, when you have a guy like Graham, who's, who's developing chemistry with the guys on both sides of him and it's playing really good football. You don't want to disrupt that. Even if you think maybe Vitae is a better right guard for this team. Why mess with something that is very, very clearly working right now. And, and I just, I just, I, I'm happy for Graham. I'm happy for Josh Reynolds too, who, I mean, to me, Josh Reynolds has been playing well since he landed here the the you know what it we're we're now almost at two full seasons here where he's been <laughs> here i i think he's finally getting some of the 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 local credit he deserves but really he's been playing at a very yeah. high level can we talk about the fact uh, I'm sorry not to disrupt you but no. can we talk about the fact that he was released from tennessee right like they didn't they like they were like you're not even good enough to play as a reserve role in tennessee Right. Mm -hmm. And so they released him. Now he's not only starting, but he's one of the more consistent uh, offensive players that they have. And like in in this, it's the same thing with Graham. He went to a spot where the coaches didn't understand how to use him. Right. And, And this coaching staff does. And you put him in a spot to succeed and he succeeds. We see this with this coaching staff and with yep. players all the time. Look at Charles Harris. Look Kaminsky. at John Kaminsky, yep. right? Uh, with Josh Reynolds, Graham Glasgow. These are Khalif? guys that uh, – Khalif too. Yeah. Poor, te- poor Tennessee. They let him go as well. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but like these uh, – you you see this where – Goff, by the way, Goff, Jared Goff. Well, 
I, I don't know. I think I don't, was, were people ever down on him? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Maybe. Um, but <laughs> but you have like um, you have a front office that understands what the coaching staff can do and what they are looking for and to identify players to bring in and a coaching staff that says this, I know what I want. This is what I'm looking for. The two groups communicate, the front office brings them in, the coaching staff coaches them up. And then you're like, Oh, I can't believe this is how an NFL team is supposed to be run. Yeah. Like this is, this is how successful franchises uh, exist. And so, yeah, I mean, how many times, was this exactly what the Patriots did, right? Like anytime you the released Ravens. a player, the Ravens yeah. too, but like anytime you yeah. released a player and they were signed by the, the Patriots, you're like, what did we do? <laughs> They're going to make them amazing. And they did. That's what the Lions are doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I it's, mean, it's, it's, it's the Patriot way. With... <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> how many times have we seen guys like fall in the draft and, and, and analysts were like, oh, you can't let that guy fall to Philly. You can't let Jalen Carter fall to Philly. You can't now it's, you can't let Brian branch fall to the lions. Can you? Oh no. Like that's where it's headed. Like it's headed to the point where guys are falling. The front office is making decisions. And then you, the coaching staff is coaching them up. And then all of a sudden you're like, this is why I think this is sustainable. This is why I'm not backing down in my bravado of saying that this team is here and they're going to stay here for a, a the next half decade, at least yeah. because this, this team is doing it the right way. And you look at other teams and you're like, man, I've been there. That team, that, that team is not doing it the right way. Right. Like, and so we've seen it, we've covered not the right way. And there's a lot of NFL teams that don't do it the right way. This is the right way. This is the way. This is the way. Uh, I think we'll end things there. Uh, As always, if you want to join these live chats, head to twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit on Tuesday afternoons because we do a lot more Q&As off air as well. But for our podcast listeners, again, we will be doing First Bite later this week, probably Thursday live here on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. We do our Madden Sim Saturday mornings. And then obviously we'll be live for our post game after the game against the Ravens. But until then, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.